Okay. So we are starting now. Recording. Our Tanya class of today, getting very close to Purim. So getting very close to that power. But not there yet. Believe it or not, tomorrow is officially a Tainus, so Hashem can do anything. Um, we are starting chapter 37. Now, we said that 35, 36, 37 are all in a, a subsection of Tanya, focusing on the significance of action. We saw that very clearly in 35 and 36. Not as much. We were more philosophically explaining the significance of Mashiach, the redemption, being in our world, in the physical realm. And now in 37, which is a, a rather long chapter of Tanya, we speak about it very, very strongly. As the Alter Rebbe gives his strategy, how do we win this war? How do we bring the redemption? And he begins this chapter with a very strong statement that is very oft quoted by the Rebbe and in Hasidus in general, whenever or very often when discussing Mashiach, the author is something that probably to us is obvious because we've been hearing it for 200 years. But when he wrote it, it was a very, very innovative concept. So the chapter opens up. Can you still hear me? Please unmute yourself, star six, to reassure me that you do still hear me. Yes, we still hear. Great, thank you. So, the Red opens up and says that the ultimate purpose, meaning the days of Mashiach, the days of the resurrection of the dead, which means the complete revelation of the infinity of God in this physical world, are created by our current actions. That might be like, obviously, but it wasn't obvious when the Alphabet wrote this 200 years ago. People used to think like we're in this state called exile, and then somehow we could enter into a state called redemption. Maybe we do good things, or maybe it's just the time, and then we have the redemption. So the redemption and the exile don't really have any intrinsic interconnection. It's just moving from this stage to that stage. The Alter Rebbe is saying, no, that's not what's going on. Every day in exile, and we've been in exile for over 1,900 years, as we serve God and learn his Torah and do his mitzvahs, we are building the reality of redemption, of Mashiach. Mashiach is created by us, so to speak. It's in a sense man-made that every one of the good deeds we do, all of the Torah we learn, this creates what will be the caliber of redemption. What will it be like? We're building it right now. So it's not that we leave this era and enter into another era, disconnect between the two. But <clears throat> the entirety of exile is building specifically all the nuances of the era of redemption. And therefore, we're focusing here in this chapter on actions, on doing, 
doing, doing, doing all of the good deeds, all of the mitzvahs we can, all of God's commands, because that's how we build the world of redemption. <clears throat> Why is this happening, mitzvah by mitzvah? Because all of our mitzvahs draw down God to be revealed in this physical world. That we have things, items of the world. Now, we're not talking about things here that are completely forbidden because we can't move them to a godly realm, and we'll discuss that later in the chapter. So we're looking today at things that are permissible. It's not inherently godly. It's not forbidden. What we call receiving its vitality from Klippas Naiga. And then I take such an item, and I serve God with it. And then what I'm doing is that item now shifts and enters the realm of Kedusha, of godliness, which means a new energy from God came into our world through that item. Now, what did we say is Mashiach? So we learned last chapter. Mashiach means the permanent revelation of God himself. So I am bringing God himself into this world bit by bit as I shift the klipas naiga of this world to Kedusha. So the Rebbe says very strongly, therefore, if you take something that's inherently forbidden, taboo, that receives its vitality from klipas tmeyas, you can't do anything with it. You can't move it. You can't shift it. For example, if you would take stolen money, can you take stolen money and give it to charity? No. If you steal the money, the money stole. But okay, if I already did something bad, let me at least do something redemptive with it. I stole the money, but now let me give a portion to charity. No. Isn't that a good deed? No, it's not. It's not. Once that money was stolen and that money became tied to such evil, your charity is not going to shift it to godliness. It's tied to evil. If you would take um, from the growth of the first year or so of the of a tree under three years Arlo and you have this beautiful esro no it doesn't work you can't use fruits that are Arlo that have not, the fruit the tree has not yet come to what according to Jewish law would be considered the three years you can't use that you can't do a mitzvah with something God said no the Rebbe speaks very strongly about not taking donations from money that was earned through desecrating the Sabbath. That money was earned through the desecration of the Sabbath, you can't bring it to godliness by charity. It's it's tied to evil. So what we're saying here is anything permissible, use and use and use it for good, raise more and more of the world from Klippas Nugget to Kedusha, bring God more and more in the world, action by action, we are building Mashiach. It's not going to come with a poof and a wave of a fairy wand. We are builders. We are building the world to make it the world of redemption. But be careful not to utilize anything that's forbidden and think, well, I'll do something good with it. No, it doesn't work that way. If it's completely forbidden, you can't go there. You're not going to elevate it. Its energies will just ensnare you. You cannot go there. The ultimate strategy, the game plan of the Alter Rebbe, is this world has three categories. Godliness, everything that receives vitality from Kedusha. 
everything that receives vitality from klipas noiga, which means it's not innately godly, but it could be shifted to godliness. And everything that receives vitality from klipas tenayas, which means it's tied to, to evil. It's so trapped and blocked from godliness, and of course it has godliness inside of it, otherwise it wouldn't exist, but that godliness cannot be shifted by us in the direct way. So the Rebbe's strategy is use everything you can of this world that's klipas noiga, all the permissible, move it to godliness. At that point, what does the world have left? Godliness and things tied to complete evil. But all of that energy of complete evil will just deteriorate and zap out of existence because that evil is really being fed by godly energy. But the evil and the godly energy can't interface directly. So how it works in the past is that that Klippus Timaeus, complete evil, is facilitating its connection to godliness through Klippus Naiga, through that in-between stage. So the energy of the complete evil that's vitalizing a, a pig is through the energies that are vitalizing the cows and the sheep and the goats of the world which is in turn receiving its energy from godliness, perhaps from the sacrificial sacrificial offering that were offered in the temple. So if all those energies of the cows and the sheep and the goats gets moved to complete godliness, so now the pig and the horse and the mule, well, they don't have a link. They can't interface. They have nothing to keep them going with their godly energy supply. So they cease. Their energy just dissipates. They don't have anything to feed it. And in that way, the Klippus Timaeus energies will just disappear. Won't have anything feeding it, will cease to exist. So the entire world is a world of complete godly energy. Now one could question, well, how in the world can 15 million Jews, even if we're all serving God completely, transform a world's energies, we will discuss it in this chapter. Many, many, many details in the chapter, and we will go through quite a lot. Any questions? Please unmute yourself, star six. Okay. From Tainus Esther and Purim, it's days of inafochu, transformative energies. It's interesting. The Rebbe says, why is why do we call this fast Tainus Esther? What was exactly this fast? It's not the three-day fast that we read about in the Megillah, because that happened Pesach time, not now. And the Rebbe says this was actually the fast that all the Jews took upon themselves during the war, which happened on the 13th of Adar. But all the Jews couldn't fast it, even though they theoretically took it upon themselves. Practically, they didn't take it upon themselves because they were all in danger. They were in peril. They had to defend themselves. There was a war. So they weren't allowed to fast. The only Jew who was physically safe from all harm was Esther. So she took upon herself this fast to protect all the Jews throughout the world as they're all defending themselves. And, of course, the Nafohu turning around the energy completely to be a day of complete victory for the Jews over those 75,000 
haters of the Jewish people in the world. So it's a transformative day. It's a day of turning to God and making tremendous miracles happen, and for sure, Purim even more so. We should use it. 